This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Turn with me to John chapter 14. When a pastor asked me to preach, I had already been kind of thinking along the lines of some things as in my personal devotions and in my personal life. And I'd been thinking about this topic, but and so I decided I felt led that the Lord wanted me to pen it on paper and preach it tonight. And I want to preach on this uh, subject or this thought tonight, the presence of God. The presence of God. Friends, God is a God who desires to dwell amongst His children. And we see that in Genesis 3, Brother Schatz said this morning when God called uh, Adam and said, Adam, where art thou? I believe it was the pattern of God uh, daily. He would walk in the garden in, in the heat of, in the cool of the day, and he would fellowship uh, with his creation. I believe one of the great aspects and, or purposes for God creating us is to have intimate fellowship with us. Uh, we don't serve a God who is, is off in the distance away from us. We serve a God who is very near and dear. Uh, you may think of the tabernacle in the Old Testament as a place of bloody sacrifice and atonement. Well, it was those things, but I'm going to tell you, friend, it was so much more than sacrifices and uh, blood and a gruesome uh, picture as you read the Old Testament. In Exodus 25 and verse 8, the Lord says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And we see the first piece of the uh, ark or the tabernacle that God commanded Moses to build was the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And that, the Ark of the Covenant was a, a wonderful piece of furniture and it simply uh, was a representative of the presence of God. And if you read the Old Testament, you'll understand that wherever that Ark went, there was either blessing or cursing. Uh, you remember when it uh, found its uh, way in the hands of the Philistines. I won't even describe what happened to them, but you can read it for yourself. Over in 2 Samuel chapter 6, uh, I've grown up hearing about this guy named Uzzah, or Uzzah, however you would like to uh, pronounce it. And I've always felt bad for that guy. Uh, he was just kind of doing uh, what a, any good old boy would do. He was just trying to help the cart. He was getting ready to fall off the cart. But we understand they had put that ark on a new cart, and God had specifically told them how they were supposed to transport that ark. And so they were doing everything wrong. And God says in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 10 that into his error God smote him. And then we see that uh, David is uh, afraid of this ark. And it goes down to the house of, of Obed-Edom. And the Bible says for three months in the house of Obed-Edom, his house was blessed. Remember, he was, uh, the ark was representative of the presence of Almighty God. And his house was blessed. I think about my own home. Man, I would not want to have a marriage and children without the presence of God. And I'm sure every dad in this room tonight would say, I want the presence and the blessings of God on my home. We then see Jesus tabernacles among men for some 30 to 33 years. And think about His disciples as we're going to see tonight. They were blessed with the intimate daily presence of Christ. 
I mean, they ate with Jesus. They, they uh, slept often in the same room as Jesus. They saw His miracles for three years. It wasn't like you and I. I see you on Sunday. You see me on Wednesday, vice versa. Unfortunately, I have to see Chuck Leonard every day, but that's okay. And uh, it wasn't like that. They, they saw Jesus every single day. They were with Him all the time. And He's going to say here in John chapter 14, as we, uh, we'll get to that in just a minute, it's understandable their hearts were extremely troubled and sorrowful, for here's what Jesus was telling them. He was telling them, listen guys, I'm leaving, I'm going to the cross, but another comforter is going to come. And we're going to see this beautiful chapter unfold. But then we see it once again, this promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell on those men there. And let me just say this, upon my salvation in the night or the day you were saved, Brother David just testified to that as an eight-year-old boy, you know what happened the night you were saved? Uh, something happened on the inside of your life. The Holy Spirit of God sealed you. He, he indwelt you. And He filled you. And friend, friend, that's a miracle and a blessing that is specific only to Christianity. And I'm so thankful tonight for a lot of things. God's given me a beautiful wife. And uh, God's given me uh, wonderful children. Over This past Christmas, I just sat there and just watched my boys unwrap their presents. And I, and I couldn't help but just say, Thank you, God. And, and just I couldn't help but just watch them. And, and God's blessed me. He's given us a good church. But I'm going to tell you tonight, there's something I'm very keenly aware of and thankful for every day, and that is His presence in my life. The presence of God. In 2009, Don and Evelyn Eckerd, many of you know them, they took me down to Honduras. Um, and they paid my way down to Honduras. And... I was down there some 3,000 miles away from my home. I'd never been out of the country. I'd never been on an airplane. And we were down in this uh, church service, and they were singing. Uh, and, and I went to a, a service. I didn't understand what the preacher was saying. I couldn't understand what the people were singing in the choir. But I'm going to tell you what, they were having a Holy Ghost service. And they were singing the rafters off of that church. And, and, and this is what amazing happened in my heart and my mind. And for the first time in my Christian life, it kind of it kind of became real to me. I couldn't understand their language, but I knew the tune of what they were singing. They were singing that old song, "He's the Lily in the Valley, the Bright and Morning Star," and they were singing it like they weren't ever going to get to sing again. And that place, I mean, was vibrating with these people. And it was right there, all those miles from my house. For the first time, I realized in my mind, man, I, I, I can sense His presence at home, but all the way over here in another country, I sense His presence so real and so fresh. And, and I thought, what an amazing thing. It doesn't matter where I am. doesn't matter where I go. When I peel my head at night, He's there. When I wake up in the morning, He's there. When I go on the vacation, I don't leave Him at home with me. He's there. In the, in the good times, in the bad times, in the... Um, right in the morning and at the midnight hour, God is there. He's an ever-present God. And I just want to publicly say I thank God for that tonight. So I want to go into a little bit of the aspect of that tonight. And like normal, the Lord puts things on my heart that you'd, uh, there's just not enough time to even go into detail. Uh, and I'm sure pastor understands, and anybody that preaches, you understand when God gives you a thought, you, you realize you have this short time to try to present it and get it across. So I'm praying that God allow me to do that tonight. And the choir didn't sing, so he said I had an extra hour, so I may take advantage of that. But I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14 in the New Testament. And I want to preach tonight on this top subject, the presence of God. Now when I speak of the presence of God, I'm specifically referring to 
to the presence of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a born again Christian. If you're saved tonight, you are indwelt by the Holy Ghost of God. Somewhere down the line, we as Baptists have gotten scared of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, friend, if we don't have the Holy Ghost, we're missing it. Uh, he, he, he's what gives us the power to do things. He's what gives us the power to preach, the power to live the Christian life. And uh, we'll go into all those things uh, in just a few. But I just want to say a few things about His presence. The first thing I want to give you tonight is the promise of His presence. Now let me just kind of set up the context for you. We know in John chapter 14, He begins the chapter like this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. Now, why were his disciples troubled? Once again, he was telling them, listen, guys, I'm, I'm going to be leaving you. I'm going away. And we see, here's what I love about the disciples. They were regular people just like you and I. They had doubts. They had fears. They had confusions. And all the while, Brother Chuck and I have talked about this at work a, a few times, how the disciples could see a, a grand miracle of God and it seems like the next day, absolutely forget what Jesus did, and, and, and Jesus would upbraid them for their lack of faith. But here they are, they're in sorrow, they're afraid. Man, they don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. They don't know what the next couple weeks are going to hold. And maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe your heart's troubled uh, about a multitude of things. I want to remind you tonight, we have a God who's ever-present. So we see the promise of His presence. So I'm going to go down to verse 15. And the first thing I want you to see is the promise of His presence. The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I've got written under that, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. In verse 16, it says, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but you know Him, for He dwelleth with you, and notice this, and shall be in you, future. I will not leave you comfortless. Isn't that good? I will come to you. And that's a reference back to uh, the first couple verses. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. A reference to His resurrection there. I want you to see, first of all, the promise of His presence. MacArthur says that it's really right here that the priestly and intercessory work of Christ began with this request. Notice in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. You know, friend, you can take it to the bank. When Jesus makes a prayer request to the Father, it's going to be answered. And why is that? Because everything Jesus prayed for was in, in God's will. Everything Jesus said was what the Father told Him to say. Oftentimes, I believe our prayer requests don't get answered because we pray outside of the will of God. We pray for things like a new F-150, or we pray for things like maybe a, a fancy vacation. We pray for all these things that really God doesn't care about. And uh, so we find God here praying for His disciples, praying for yet future believers here. I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter. I want you to see some things about this. Notice this is yet future. If you'll turn back to John uh, chapter 7, um, I'm not trying to give you a, a whole theology or doctrine of the Holy Spirit, but we understand in the Old Testament and up to this time, the Holy Spirit operated in a different way than He does today. Uh, the Holy Spirit was not a brand new thing at Pentecost. Friend, the Holy Spirit was there at creation. 
And uh, the Holy Spirit would come upon people like Samson and Gideon and uh, King David. The Holy Spirit of God's always been there. But we know uh, there's a future uh, where he'll take upon a new ministry, a new operation, so to say. But in verse uh, John chapter 7, to help you understand this, listen to what the Lord says. He says, on the last day, John chapter 7 and verse 37, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now listen to this. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. What he's going to try to get his disciples to understand is, listen, I'm leaving, but another's going to come. Notice what he says, I will give you another comforter. There are some things included in this promise, and that, let me give you those, the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, when he says another comforter, literally that word means another of the same kind. Uh, it wasn't like Jesus was saying, listen, you're getting a new CEO and he's going to be different. And he's going to have all these other uh, things. No, he's like, I'm going to send you another comforter. Listen, here on earth, I've been your comfort. I've been your supply. I, I've, you've been in my presence, but I'm going to the cross, uh, which is the will of the Father, and I'm going to send you another of the same kind. I'm going to send you another comforter. And notice this, that he may abide with you forever. We see his comforting presence Another of the same kind. And that word comfort there is the Greek word parakletos. And it, it's literally the idea of an intercessor or an advocate or, or one who comes alongside to help. And I love that thought of the Holy Spirit being called the comforter because this is what it means. Friend, without the Holy Spirit of God, I can't live the Christian life. Uh, he's going to go on down and reference that in John 15 where he says, For without me, you can do what? Nothing without the Spirit of God. Part of that promise was His comforting presence. There was another part of that promise, His eternal presence. Notice in verse uh, 16, I shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Not only His presence here on earth, but until uh, the glories of heaven. Another aspect of that promise is His abiding presence. Notice what He says at the end of verse 17. He says, For He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Yet That's yet future. He shall be in you. There's an abiding presence. You know, that reminds me as, as a saved individual with the presence of God abiding in my life that I take Him everywhere I go. I take Him everywhere I go. And uh, a lot of times we teach our children, uh, be careful little eyes what you see. Uh, be careful little ears what you hear. And uh, we teach all those things, but what about us that are grown up? What about the things that uh, we do, where the th places we go, the things we say? Listen, we need to be reminded tonight that God hears. All things are naked and open into the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. He sees. We take Him everywhere with us, His abiding presence. I think about Psalm 139, and I love that psalm. And basically that psalm says, listen, there's nothing you can, uh, there's nothing you can say that God doesn't know you're getting ready to say. There's nothing you can do that God uh, doesn't know you've already done or going to do. There's, there's nowhere you can go to get away from Almighty God. He's ever-present. And listen, this is specific tonight only to the saved, that inward dwelling. Now all men are touched by His omnipresence. We know that God is everywhere present. But listen tonight, friend, but not all men are indwelt by His presence. 
So he tells his disciples here, listen, another comforter is coming. The promise of His presence. Aren't you thankful that when God gives a promise, God keeps His promise? Now, I've been living on this earth for a little while, and there's been times people have promised me things, and they did not come through. And it's disappointing, isn't it? It's a letdown. I'm going to tell you, God has never let me down. Let me give you the second one. Not only the promise of His presence, but we see here the proof of His presence. The proof of His presence. You know, the Word of God says that each and every Christian has a spiritual gift. And uh, it would be a good thing for you to find out what your spiritual gift is and begin to operate in that spiritual gift. But I find that I meet a lot of people and I talk to a lot of people that seem to have a gift that is not listed in those gifts, and it's that of a fruit inspector. And they do things like this. Well, he can't be saved because this. Or I know she's not saved because this and that. Or I know where they're at. Man, they died and I know they're in hell. I've heard people say that before. Oh, they're in hell. I know they're in hell with their back broke. And I tell you, every time I hear that, I kind of cringe a little bit. And, and it may be true. And it may be right. And there is an aspect of we can, just like the young lady just seeing uh, people can see Jesus in us. Listen, friend, if, if nobody ever sees Jesus in you, you may not have it. But I want to make this message very personal right here. And Brother Schatz mentioned Evan Roberts, and I've studied that revival before, but really that revival began to change when those people started looking on the, the, the inward heart. Uh, and, and Edward Roberts said, I'm not uh, concerned about him. I'm not concerned about him. And he prayed this prayer, God being me. And so what I want us to do tonight is look, let God look into our hearts the proof of His presence. I'm going to give you a scripture and I'll never forget the day I preached this at a little church. A man named Jerry got saved. It says, Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Friend, either you have it or you don't. Either you have the Spirit of God living in your heart or you do not. Let me read the text here. He goes on to say in verse uh, 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them... He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. Notice this, He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Friend, listen, the proof is evidenced by our love for the Lord. His presence in our lives. And, and I've got this question right here I wrote down, and, and I, I, I'm almost afraid to ask it because I'm guilty as anybody else, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it tonight. Here's the question. Do I truly love the Lord? Do I truly love God? Uh, you know, my uh, Phil and Rocky, my in-laws, must y'all know them, and their son got me a, a fishing rod for Christmas. And I, I've got a, a couple Walmart fishing rods in the corner, but man, they got me a, a, a standout fishing rod. It's no Walmart rod. Now, it's not going to help me fish any better, but I'm going to be fishing in style. And um, But I think about sometimes I get my mind on things like that, and I get my mind on uh, camping or whatever it may be, or, or our hobby. Some of you guys are are more sports-minded than I am, and you get to thinking about sports. And friend, I'm going to tell you, if we're not careful, our passions, our desires, and our devotions can be on everything except God. 
And so I ask again tonight, I ask my own heart tonight, do I truly love the Lord? I'm talking about that Matthew 22 love that I love God with all my heart, all my mind. He's, he's what I think about. He's what, I, he's what I, I love His Word. I love His people. Do we truly love the Lord? And if I don't love the Lord like I should, does that mean I am lost? Well, I'm going to give you an answer to make you feel a little better there. Some of you went, well, the answer is no. There was a church in the New Testament called at Ephesus that were doing all the right things. They were kind of going through the motions. They didn't have a lot wrong with them. But Jesus said, the one thing I have against you is you've left your first love. Somewhere along the lines, their, their love had waxed cold for the Lord. And friend, if we're not careful, uh, that can happen in the life of a, of a believer who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And I know that because I've been there. And, and, and the proof of His presence is in, in my life is the very fact that there's a want to in me. There, there's a want to to love Him. There's a want to to obey Him. There's a want to to read His Word, to follow my knees and pray. Uh, as, and Brother Schatz preached this morning, there's a want to in my life to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. There, there's a want to. And I want to say to you tonight, friend, if, there, if, there is, if that is not in your life tonight, if there's never a desire uh, to open up the Word of God and read it, if there's never a desire to get on your knees and pray, if there's never a desire to do anything, friend, the Spirit of God may not live within your heart. But notice he says, if, if a man loves me, he will keep my commandments. I really believe as a side note here, Jesus goes on to say, uh, there's an even greater life that is available to us here if we'll love God supremely. He says in verse 21, if we love Him and, and keep His commandments, He will manifest Himself to us. In verse 23, He says, we will come unto Him and make our abode with Him. Friend, that speaks tonight of, of that deep, intimate fellowship uh, that deeper, that fuller walk with God. It's not just a regular going through the motions. It's an absolute intimate walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter where you're at or what, if, if you're in a crowd, if you're in, a, in the good times and the bad times, there's the, uh, you're keenly aware of the presence of Almighty God in your life. There's a proof. I wonder tonight, is there proof in my life that the Spirit of God lives within my heart? And one of the greatest proofs, friend, is our love for God. Is our love for God. If you don't love God, I don't believe you know God. Now, if we wanted to get the microphone and go around to church tonight, and, and Pastor, I know you'd never do this, and say, hey, brother, do you love God? Uh, well, we, everybody would say, well, yes, surely I love God. But if we could all be honest, like I just said, there's times when our love waxes cold towards the Lord and towards those things. And friend, that's not God's fault, that's our fault. Because we're not practicing His presence, we're not spending time in His presence. Let me hurry, the third thing I want to show you from this text is the purpose of His presence. I'm glad tonight God has a purpose. He didn't just die on Calvary, He didn't just shed His blood, He didn't just do all the things He did, He didn't just send uh, and fulfill the promise of the Holy Spirit to indwell us and seal us and fill us and all those things for no reason. There's some, uh, many purposes, and I'm just going to give you a few, and I'm not going to dwell on them, but I just want to list them to you. Number one is that ministry of comfort that ministry of comfort. Man, I'll tell you what, we had a sweet time in our Sunday school class this morning. And I, I want to thank God for Brother Shane Newby, who's uh, so faithful in teaching our class and his wife and bringing the coffee and all those good things. And I'm grateful for that. But two ladies in our uh, Sunday school class this morning shared how God 
help them through some very tough times in their life. And we were talking about that text, about all things work together for good to those who love them or, or, and, and so on. And, uh, but the whole time, I, as, as those ladies were thinking about that, I was like, man, I'm preaching along those aspects tonight about the presence of God in our life and how even in the bad times, God is so sweet and wonderful to come alongside us and comfort us and to help us. Even in Romans 8, you ever, have you ever been at a place in your life where you fell on your face and you didn't know how to pray and the Holy Spirit of God took over and prayed for you? Man, I'm telling you, there's a great purpose, and one of those great purposes in the ministry of the Holy Spirit is comfort. Notice he says in uh, verse uh, 26 of chapter 14, I want to be uh, hurry through this. He says, but the comforter, and we've already kind of established that fact that he's a comforter, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Not only does he comfort, but he teaches us. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to shine the light on the Scriptures and friend, as you read the Word of God, and when God illuminates the Scriptures to you, that's a wonderful thing. I was thinking as I was studying this passage of Scripture, I don't have a desk or an office at my house. Everything's just strewn on the kitchen table, and there's coffee stains everywhere and all that. But I was thinking, God, what a wonderful thing it is to have the Word of God open and to, 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 to study the Word of God. It's a privilege, my friends, and, and it's wonderful. He, he not only teaches us, but He also leads us to the truth. There's a title here, for the Holy Ghost over in uh, chapter 16 and verse 13, the Spirit of truth. It says, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Now, friend, how do I know to avoid error? The Spirit of God. Uh, and, and how He bears witness with my spirit and the Spirit of the Word of God. And uh, we're living in a day where people are one minute are over here, next minute they're over here. Uh, every wind of doctrine, they, they change. And I'm glad to, that I grew up in a church, and I'm thankful that I'm a part of the church that stands for some things and doesn't waver and move around with every new fad and every new thing that comes along. And friend, we can know the truth tonight. That's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit of God. He helps us to know the truth. He also shows us things to come. He gives us insight into the future. Notice verse 15 and verse 13, or chapter 15 and verse uh, 13. Excuse me, uh, chapter 16 and verse 13. It says, He will show you things to come. He not only does that, but He also brings things into remembrance. Look at verse uh, 13. Man, I got my verses all mixed up here, but I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in the kill zone here, you know what I'm saying? But He talks about how He'll bring those things into remembrance in our lives. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and uh, whether you're trying to witness to them or whether you're trying to debate theology with them or just talk to them and things just keep coming up out of the, of the wellspring of the Word of God of your life and you, you kind of have an out-of-the-body experience to think, man, how did I know that or how did I even remember that? I'm going to tell you, that's one of the work ministries of the Holy Spirit of God. He brings those things into remembrance and He gives us the things we need to say. Uh, we as preachers, one of our prayers is, God, help me to remember what I studied so I can get it across. There's also the ministry of conviction, a word we don't hear too much in our day. In chapter 16 and verse, verses uh, 8 through 11, and I'll let you read those things. And then there's also the ministry of glorifying the Son of God. There in chapter 16 and verse 14, he, Jesus says, He shall glorify me. And how does He do that? He does that by taking a nobody and making him a somebody. You know, one of the greatest things is seeing the Holy Spirit of God take a man 
who, who was a nobody and, and making him a somebody. Uh, as the old preachers used to say, he would, he would save from the guttermost up to the uttermost and do something with the life of a believer. And who gets all the glory for that? Jesus Christ, as we heard this morning. Let me give you the last thing. And this is one of my favorite aspects. Not only the promise Jesus is telling His disciples, He's trying to comfort them, He's trying to help them, He's trying to tell them, listen, I'm leaving, but another comforter is coming who's going to bless you and help you and still give you all the good things. And though I'm with you physically, He shall be with you inwardly. He's trying to relay those things to His disciples. He talks about the proof of His presence, the purpose of His presence. But then lastly, I want you to see the peace of His presence. The peace. And there may be someone in here tonight that needs this peace. The Word of God shows us that there are two types of peace in the Word of God. The first one is that Romans 5 and 1 peace that says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a judicial term. Listen, friend, the night God saved me, September 24, 2005, a, in the courtroom of heaven, the gavel was slammed down, and God said, He's justified. He's mine now. I was adopted into the family of God. Like I said earlier, the Holy Spirit of God sealed me. Uh, nobody can break that seal. And he, he filled me and He indwelt me. And, and I, I received everything that I would ever need from Almighty God to live the Christian life. Now, have I always tapped into that treasure box? No, I have not. But I'd like to and I need to. But we have the peace of His presence, that, that righteous standing with Almighty God. That is, when God sees me, He doesn't see a sinful Matt Holman anymore. He sees the blood of Christ applied to my life. The imputed righteousness of Christ that God put, applied to my account. Then there's a second type of peace, and that's that Philippians Chapter 4 and verse 7, peace, that peace of God which passes all understanding. Uh, one writer calls it that inner calm or tranquility. It's that peace, friend, when you're walking with God, you can be going down I-40 and blow a tire and sing showers of blessing. It's that peace that uh, it doesn't matter what happens in your life, uh, that you, you don't just lose it and fly apart. And God knows my wife's sitting back there and she's saying, yeah, you need to live what you're preaching, son. And um, it's that peace and that presence of God when I'm walking with God, when those things happen, and an unexpected phone call, an unexpected issue, that I don't fall to pieces. I go right into the throne room of God and I, I present my need and my petition before God. And He gives me that peace that passes all understanding, that inner calm, that tranquility. Even in the good times, and the bad. Look at it, verse 26 of uh, verse 27 of chapter 14. Jesus tells his disciples, Peace I leave with you. Notice this, I love this, my peace. Man, they were getting a piece of Jesus there. Jesus was leaving, but they were still getting some of Jesus. He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. I want you to see, first of all, that peace is a person. It's Jesus Christ. You know, the whole time Brother Dan was preaching, I, I said, man, he's about to preach my message tonight. And, uh, and it was so good. And it just, it just realigned my focus this morning to make much of Christ. And listen, friend, Jesus is more than peace. We know he's all those wonderful attributes and things. But Jesus says, listen, guys, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. 
Now notice, not only is peace a person, this peace is not of this world. It says there in verse 27, not as the world giveth, not as the world giveth. Listen, there is a level of peace you and I can have in this world. Money will buy you happiness for a short time. And I, I know that because if I were to throw out $1,000 uh, checks or $100 bills, uh, somebody would be taking them because everybody likes money, right? But we understand that money, uh, material things, my material possessions, listen, the smell of a new car always wears off, doesn't it? And they can give us happiness for a short time. They can give us peace and tranquility for a very short time. But I'm here to tell you, I can testify to you personally, experientially, that there's a peace in my heart that, that, that has always been there, and that's the peace of God. Now, this peace obviously can fluctuate. Some, some days I can have it, some days I can't have it. But I love this. Uh, Isaiah says this in chapter 26. I want to give you this. He says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. Listen, friend, most of you know what I'm saying. I'm preaching to probably mostly believers tonight. And you understand what I mean by this. When you're walking with God, there's not a greater feeling. There's not a greater joy. I mean, yes, material things are nice. Christmas presents are nice. But there's that inward joy and happiness that you experience that, that, that nothing else can, can touch. Nothing else can really compare to it. And I mean, I'm usually a pretty satisfied guy. You know, if, if I can pay my bills and still afford a hamburger, I'm a pretty happy guy. And um, I'm going to tell you what, there's, there's a something about walking with God and talking with God and living for God that nothing else can compare. But I know also experientially that if I'm not in this book and I'm not in prayer, and I'm not practicing that presence, and I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit of God to fill my heart, I don't have that peace. And I don't have that tranquility. Let me give you this, and I'm almost uh, done. I think about my home. You know, when my wife and I, I've got a wonderful wife, I really do. Um, every, one, every once in a while, we'll have some heated fellowship. And um, <laughs> like so many of you probably do as well. And I haven't embarrassed her in a long time, so she's probably going to get me for this. But you know what happens in the atmosphere of our home when that happens? There's no laughter. The joy goes away. There's quietness. And inside my heart and inside her heart, you know, usually we're waiting for one of them, you need to come and apologize to me and tell me I'm right, and admit that you're wrong, all those things that go through our heads. And don't you know by experience that a lot of things we fuss about as couples and marriages are so petty and so silly and mean, mean nothing. And we say hurtful things at times and all those things. But how many of you know tonight, the moment that you go to your spouse and you say, Honey, I was wrong. You were right. Or vice versa. And you hug and you make up and you kiss on the cheek. And guess what happens? The joy returns in the home. The whole atmosphere of the home changes. It's wonderful again. It's sweet again to be at home. When I'm right with my wife and she's right with me, the home is wonderful. And I thank God most of the time we are. I've got a good family. But I want to tell you tonight, if I don't walk with God and talk with God, 
I don't practice that presence and spend time with Jesus. It's the same way. That atmosphere of my heart, that atmosphere of my life changes. I'm talking about the peace of His presence. About two years ago, I think it's coming up on three years ago, I found myself in a place that I'd never been in my entire life. I was embarrassed. I was depressed. It seemed like the heaven were, was brass. Um, and I know some of you are thinking, Lord, what did you do? Well, there's nothing I did wrong. It was just a poor decision making, nothing immoral, nothing. I just found myself in a bad place. And I was mad at myself. I'd let my family down. Uh, I, I was just upset about a lot of things. And and I, I'd even thought, man, I, I don't ever even want to, I don't want to preach anymore. I don't want to, this ministry, just throw that out the door. I'm done. And, and, and it was just all these things beating myself up. And I'm going to tell you, that was one of the darkest weeks of my life. And I remember that week, I don't remember what day it was in that week, but I got down on my knees and opened up the Word of God to Psalm 23. And I don't really even remember why I turned there. But I turned there and I began to read Psalm 23. Most of us uh, attribute Psalms 23 as a funeral psalm. But I'm going to tell you, friend, it's much more than a funeral psalm. And I got down there to where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I got there to that phrase, Pastor, for thou art with me. Man, I absolutely lost it. And I, I, I began to weep, and I began to praise God. And I began to thank Him. And I'm going to tell you, in that little room, friend, I had revival in my heart. And I began to shout and I began to cry. I probably spoke in tongues. I don't even know what I did. But I'm going to tell you, the peace of God began to uh, flow into my heart, that peace. And as I look back on that week, friend, God made it all right. God always does. And I'm, I'm in a better place today than I was then. And I thank God for that. And God worked in my life. And I'm so grateful for His blessings on my life. Now you may be here tonight and you're thinking, man, I don't have much peace in my heart tonight. I'm going through things. I've, I've, my love for God has waxed cold. I'm not where I used to be. I'm going to tell you, thank God, all you've got to do is just confess that to the Lord, uh, get right with God, and that peace will return to your life. And you may think God has forgotten about you. Listen, friend, God hasn't forgotten about you. Uh, you may think God is done with you. I, I, I tell you, uh, I won't say who it is, but there's a, a lady in this church that has been such an encouragement to my life. And she said that to me one Sunday. She said, God's not finished with you. And I wanted to, I wanted to run out there and start ball like a baby. But she spoke, uh, um, she spoke just blessings into my heart, blessings into my life. And I'll forever be thankful for that. The peace of His presence. I'm so thankful tonight that I serve a God who lives within me. And man, life isn't always hunky-dory. You know, I go into work, I work with Brother Chuck. You know, we don't always, you don't always walk into church, church work high-fiving and man, all this and all that. But I'm going to tell you, there's a, an abiding awareness of God's presence in my life. And I'm going to tell you this, it's, it's one or two things. Either it's, I'm right with God, and I'm walking with God, or number two, I'm very aware that I need to get right with God because I want that fellowship back with the Lord. I'm going to tell you, another proof, I meant to say this, another proof that we're children of God is the, is the chastening hand of God on our lives. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to tell you, friend, if you can sin and get away with it, 
If you can do all these awful things, go to all these awful places, look at all these awful things, say all these awful things, and God doesn't jump all over you, friends, you may not have the Spirit of God living in your heart and living in your life. And I want to tell you a great evidence of that, and I was just talking to someone about this the other day. Man, I, if I throw a rock at a squirrel, God gets all over me. I mean, little things. Uh, you don't want to cheat. You don't want to lie. You, there's, there's just no question about it. God, I don't even want to go there. I see something I shouldn't have looked at. I have a thought I shouldn't have looked at. It's almost like this. God, I've got to get right with you. I, I, I don't want to stay over there like that. God, I, 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 Paul said it like this. Herein do I exercise myself always to have a conscience void of offense before God and before man. I'm going to tell you what. I, I don't know everybody in this room, but I don't, I don't want to have anything against anybody in this room. I don't want anybody in this room to have anything against me, but I certainly don't want to have anything against God. And God have anything against me. So tonight, I'm thankful for His grace. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit of God who, who, who teaches me and comforts me and, and shakes me sometimes and says, Matt, get on track. And I'm so grateful tonight that I can simply come to Him, 1 John 1, 9, and confess my sin. And He's so faithful and He's so just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I'm talking about the presence of Almighty God. Do you have His presence? Have you experienced, friend, His presence? And if you don't have your pre the presence of God in your life, like Romans, Paul said in Romans 8, you are none of His. And tonight will be a great night to, like Brother Schott said this morning, to put your faith in that great, that wonderful name, the name of Jesus Christ. And friend, when you do that, a moving company comes in, and they start moving things around in your life. They start, they put, he puts paint on the walls and takes the cobwebs out, changes the floor, and he starts rearranging your life and begins to change your life. And it's a joy. The journey is an absolute joy. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.